Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of my podcast, The Fitness and Entrepreneurial Journey of a College Student, or Fedcus for short. Again, working title, but we're working on it. That's that's why it's called the working title. If you if you didn't know that, that's why it's called the working title. Just yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Anyway, um, last episode we talked about how to eat right to gain muscle mass without force feeding yourself. Some uh, general tips, um, kind of off the cuff that I had for you guys to help you um, eat the right meals and eat the meals that you want. Um, today's going to be another off-the-cup episode. I'm experimenting a little bit with speaking. Um, and today is going to be about um, how, really just how to gain muscle. Uh, just some simple kind of um, kind of simple outline of different principles for hypertrophy. And if you don't know what hypertrophy is, it's basically... I believe the definition is rapid um, muscle growth, but it's 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 muscle it's growth of muscle mass. I'm actually going to Google the official definition right now for you guys. It's a uh, <coughs> let me put on my technical voice. Uh, the enlargement of an organ or tissue from the increase in size of its cells. And in parentheses it says the hypertrophy of the muscle fibers. So yeah, yep, that's what that's what hypertrophy is. Basically, it helps you. It helps you. It helps you gain muscle. Anyway. Anyway, there are three for hypertrophy. There are three main um, factors to hypertrophy, and they are uh, progressive overload, eccentric stress or eccentric overload, whichever one you want to call it, um, or micro tears, whichever one you want to call it. And uh, metabolic inclusion. You can also call it metabolic stress, whatever. The point is progressive overload, um, eccentric, and then metabolic. So uh, we're actually going to go over metabolic first. Um, Actually, no, let's go over eccentric first. Eccentrics, because eccentrics is probably the one you're most familiar with. So you probably hear a lot of people talking about soreness. And how soreness makes you build muscle, and you need soreness, and soreness gets it done. You need soreness. Uh, probably, maybe some of you have heard about micro tears, stuff like that. So eccentric stress is actually what causes the micro tears, which causes the soreness. Okay. So my so eccentric. First off, so you know what eccentric is. Um, you when you contract a muscle, like when you're doing a bicep curl, you're um contracting it. You're um moving the the muscle is moving concentrically. Right, so it's shortening, and then when you go down from that rep, your bicep muscle is moving eccentrically, it's stretching. So concentric is contracting, eccentric is stress stretching. So when you're stretching a muscle and you're putting stress on a muscle while you're stretching it, that's what causes those micro tears. And those micro tears help um, help cause soreness, and then that promotes. And when you add um, protein and um, protein goes to your muscles to rebuild that, those muscular fibers, that's when you start to gain muscle. Now again, that's, this is one of three factors, but eccentric stress is very important. Um, one thing to note about eccentric stress is your muscles are actually stronger eccentrically than they are concentrically. So what that means is, uh, we'll use a chin up for example, actually no, barbell curl, even better example. Let's say you're doing barbell curls and you fail at around eight with whatever weight you're doing it doesn't matter you fail at around eight so your muscles are clearly tired concentrically because you can't get the weight up but they're not tired eccentrically so what you can do in that exercise is you've probably seen people 
um, doing cheat barbell curls, where they just kind of just throw their body around to try and get the weight up as much as possible. I'm not going to tell you to do that because that's ridiculous and that's dangerous and it's stupid. Check your ego at the door and never do stuff like that. Never try and cheat reps up that hard. It's not, it, no, not worth risking your body. Especially if you're a hard gainer, you probably don't have a lot of the muscular, uh, like you probably don't have a lot of the smaller muscles, the more minute um, stabilizer muscles developed in terms of size and strength. So it's just not smart to do that kind of stupid crap. I almost, I almost cursed. It's not smart to do that kind of stupid crap and then get yourself injured, okay? So anyway, back to the main point. <laughs> um, you don't, do not cheat your reps up like that. You can use a little bit of a cheat, however, safely and um, in a restricted manner to get the barbell up and then slowly let the bar come down but you don't just let the bar fly down i'm talking like several sec several solid concentrated seconds of letting the bar slowly come down to get that eccentric stress so what that does is you take it to failure or whatever your rep range is it doesn't have to be failure that's not the point i'm trying to make here you take it to um whenever your concentric rep range is done and then you take it farther or further I don't know. I don't. I don't remember which one's supposed to be used here. But you take it farther than that, and then you add some eccentric stress because again, eccentric is stronger than concentric. So you add more eccentric stress to get more of that um, those micro tears to promote more muscle growth. Now you can do that with a lot of exercises. You can do that with barbell curls. You can also do that with a little bit of a cheat with a lateral raise. Um, you can do that with chin ups or pull ups. So like when you're gonna go up, you can just kick off the ground, or if you're doing it on like a, a power rack or something at, at the gym, you can kick off the, the um, I think they're called catch bars or whatever you use to get up there, to get up and then slowly come back down. And again, when I say cheat on lateral raises and barbell curls, clearly I can't show it, but I'm talking a very small movement of um, the back. Don't hyperextend your back small movement of your back and use your legs a little bit to kind of get some momentum okay you don't want to throw your back out trying to get the barbell up and also uh with uh, with lateral raises if you're doing um bent arm lateral raise or straight arm lateral raise if you're doing straight arm lateral raise uh use your legs and kind of push up push up with your legs and bend your arm so it's a shorter uh it's, it's a for those of you who know physics um, it's a shorter lever arm, so it's easier to get up. So if you're doing straight arm lateral raise, an easy way to do a little cheat is get it up with uh, a bent arm and then go down with the straight arm. Anyway, um, that's basic look at eccentric and a couple tips for you guys to imp start implementing that. Um, the second thing we're going to talk about that you're probably it's the second thing you're probably most familiar with is metabolic inclusion, metabolic stress, whatever. This is basically um, the burn. So when people are like, chase that burn, or get that burn, or they're like, yeah, this is burn, or whatever they say, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but um, when people are going for that burn, they're going for metabolic inclusion. Now, there are a lot of different ways to do this, um, and honestly, I don't know them all. I know a few, but the most basic way to do this is like circuits, supersets, stuff with decreased rest time, and generally speaking... Um, more reps, more reps, uh, lighter weight, definitely decreased rest time. So like circuits are a really good metabolic, um, stressor. Um, supersets can be too, depending on how you do them. Uh, 
I, if you've heard of uh, occlusion, I believe that's what it was called. Um, there's also a technique where you put bands and like you wrap bands around like your arm and then start doing bicep curls to restrict blood flow. That can get a little bit dicey. I wouldn't suggest doing that, especially if you're a beginner. That can get a little dicey. Um, I've also heard of techniques that are similar to that, but they don't like band. Um, they're not they're not banding off parts of your body. They're just um, using mechanical uh, mechanical points in your exercise to um, kind of simulate that same effect, but safely. I don't. I personally don't trust bands doing the like band your arm off but i also admittedly have not done enough research to have a conclusive um opinion on that i would say if you're a beginner just don't just don't do it don't don't mess with it if you're advanced and you've heard about it and you know about it go for it but i can't give you a, a properly informed opinion on that um but what i do know metabolic in terms of metabolic stress something you can do to implement that now um one thing I like to do, let me think. Okay, so I actually have a circuit uh, for legs, and it goes like, the basic structure of the circuit is three exercises. And I learned this from a um, a different fitness channel that I watched. That was that's one of the one of the um, main resources for a lot of my knowledge. Um, it's you go the basic structure of the circuit is you go heavy and then medium and then light. So the light is body weight, so there's no weight there. But heavy, you do squats, um, and they're front squats, okay? So they're barbell front squats, so they focus more on the quads. Back squats focus more on the glutes and some more of the posterior chain. Um, if you don't know what the posterior chain is, it's basically the, um, I don't have an official definition, but it's essentially the muscle groups and structure kind of on the back of your body. So posterior chain includes like glutes, hamstrings, uh, low back, that kind of stuff. And then anterior chain is the front. Um, I don't mean to get like too um, techno babble on you guys, but I, I, when I explain things, I find myself talking about different terms that you might not be familiar with. So I'm going to try and explain those to you as best as I can, even if I don't have an exact definition for you guys. All right. So back to what I was saying, the circuit goes from heavy, medium to body weight. Um, and so it starts with um, front barbell squats. Okay. And then it goes to... Um, Sorry, I just hit the microphone again. And then it goes to front, um, f uh, front loaded lunges with dumbbells. And then it's called, um, it's basically, it's a squat walk. So you walk, you put something and then you start walking around it. Like if, you, if you're at home, you can do it with a chair. Um, if you're in a gym, I don't know, you do it around a bench. But the point is for 45 to 60 seconds, try, aim for 60, but you don't need to go more than 60. Um... So 45 to 60 seconds, you're just, you're squatted. You're keeping your quads as close to parallel as you can. Okay, you're going to want to go up, but the point is you want to stay parallel so you get that maximum stress. And you're just walking around while squatted for 45 to 60 seconds. Yeah, it kind of sucks a little bit, especially after you do um, squats and lunges. So the rep ranges on this, honestly, it's been a while. So since this is off the cuff, I can't, I'm not sure. I believe it's like six to eight squats and then 10 to 12 lunges and 10 to 12 lunges is total. It's not 10 to 12 per leg because, um, when you're doing a lunge, I believe, uh, hmm, no, I'm not even going to say that cause I'm not even hundred percent sure, but what I'll, 
I, I believe both legs get at least a good amount of uh, stress. Of course, the front leg gets more um, than the back leg, but we're going to do, it would be 12 total. Okay, and what I was going to say, I'm not exactly sure that that was accurate, but I believe from my own experience that when I do lunges, both legs get a little bit of work done. Uh, the front one, when you're doing front squats, has more, but I don't, also I don't want to make you guys do 24 squats, or, or um, 6 to 8 squats and then 24 lunges and then the um, squat walks, <laughs> so yeah. So again, it's heavier squats, and then kind of mid-range lunges, and then it's the burner exercise. So that's a circuit. Sorry, I got a little uh, rambly there for a sec, but that's the circuit, um, and that works because there's like no, there's very, there's no, practically no rest in between all that stuff, and then you rest like a minute, maybe a minute and a half between the circuits, and you do that three times. So yeah, that's that's metabolic inclusion. It's it's generally higher reps. Um, a lot of it's body weight stuff like the um, squat walks because that allows you to get um, to get a good burner effect depending on how you use it. Excuse me, but yeah, decreased rest is a really is probably the best way to do metabolic inclusion. The best basic way to do it, and again, supersets can work with that too depending on what you're doing. Anyway, to move on, the third thing, progressive overload. Now, a lot of you guys probably don't know about this. If you make workout plans, you have to know about this because this is extremely important. But progressive overload is basically as you go through a workout program, as you go through uh, your training, it has to progressively get harder so they can overload your muscles more. Progressive overload. Very simple. Um, there are actually a lot of different ways you can do this. Um, let's say you're doing, let's say one of your chief things in your workout is you're doing sets of five bench press. Maybe you're doing like a five by five uh, for bench press and you're trying to max out on five. Progressively, in order to overload, maybe two weeks from now, you wanna be at a heavier weight. Okay, so it's harder than what you're doing at this point. And a really easy way to do that is having um, small, like adding, progressively adding very small increments of weight. Like, um, actually, I don't even know if these are a thing, but uh, one and a quarter pound weights for barbells would be really great for this because then you're only adding two and a half pounds total. So little micro, micro additions of weights can really help with progressive overload. If you're using dumbbells, depending on the dumbbell you have, you can add like 0.5 uh, maybe a quarter. I don't know if there are any dumbbells out there that you can add a quarter pound at a time, but my adjustable dumbbells, um, with certain, between certain increments, you can add 2.5. Like it can go from 50 to 52.5. Um, it can go 5 to 7.5. It can go 10 to 12.5. I'm looking at them right now, by the way, if I sound a little distant. Um, and I believe it can also go 20 to 22.5. So yeah, micro increments is a good way to progressively overload. Um, so yeah, of course you can, so you can, one of the main ways to progressively overload is increasing weight. Another thing is to increase uh, volume, which can be via sets or via reps. Another way is to decrease um, rest time. So for instance, if you're doing barbell bench press and you 
when you very when you first start, you're doing like I don't know, three to five minutes of rest. Maybe, maybe you're doing four or five minutes of rest, and then like a week, two weeks later, you're doing two to three minutes of rest. That's progressively overloading. Now, I'm not saying if you're doing strength exercises to continually wane down your rest time because with strength with compound movements that you're doing for strength, you need significant amounts of rest compared to other exercises like isolation exercises. However, you can decrease them to a point. So you don't necessarily need five minutes of rest if you're doing bench press. Um, a lot of times you can do it with two minutes of rest. And that also, of course, depends on some um, different things that you're doing. It depends on other factors. But the point is you can um, slowly wane off rest time or excess rest time that you don't need, and that helps progressively overload. Another thing is simply exercise selection. So when you start to do an exercise a lot, your body starts adapting to it because our bodies are really good at adapting. That's why we've survived so long. That's a very that's a key point in our in our um, in our physiology. Um, we can adapt and we start becoming there. That's the word I'm looking for. More efficient. As we do more and more exercises, we start getting really good at them. We start getting really efficient at them, which is amazing for us because we're like, I love this exercise. I'm so good at it. But the thing is, you can't just do exercises you're good at because the more and more you get efficient at them, the less and less they stress your muscles. The less and less um, stress, for lack of another word that I can use, um, they add to your muscles. You actually need to start incorporating other exercises so that you get a new kind of stretch. Um, a really good example of this is um, if you're doing pull-ups and you start doing inverted rows. Now, actually that's not a good example because they pull-ups are more lats and inverted rows are more traps, I believe. Um, that's a good example. Let me think. Okay, if you're doing pull-ups, right, and then you start doing um, single arm row or pendulum row or whatever you call it so a pull-up is a lot exercise primarily a single arm row is also a lot exercise primarily but they have are they come from very very different angles on the body okay um pull-ups more vertical and single arm rows more horizontal also pull-up is body weight single arm row use is weights and um it's just the way your body is in relation to the weights and what kind of exercise you're doing and the angle of tension all of that is what makes the newer exercise harder than the older exercise because your body's used to that older exercise it's, it's acclimated to it essentially and that is another way to progressively overload okay now all this to all all these three factors are very important they all need to be included in whatever um, workout plan you're doing, whatever workout program you're in, if you're going for hypertrophy, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are, because I'm talking to my skinny guys here, talking to my hard gators. That's the whole point of, of everything that I'm doing. And all these factors are something that I learned when I was going through my own personal journey, which you've heard a thousand times, which, well, not a thousand times, you've heard, what, two and a half, three times, maybe four times, I don't remember at this point. But these are all things that I learned, and when I started implementing them, they helped a lot, so I wanted to share them with you guys. Anyway, that's it for today's episode. Um, I really appreciate you guys tuning in again. Um, this was Timothy Averill with Fitness and Entrepreneurial Journey of College Student, or FITCUS. 
um, I'm thinking about changing this title to uh, Build and Keep because that's actually the name. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. This That's the name of the, the, the business I'm trying to start. Build and Keep Fitness to help uh, hard gainers and skin guys and hard gainers like me to build and keep muscle mass and to build and keep uh, self-confidence. And I'm also trying to build and keep a fitness brand <laughs> and build and keep a... Um, podcasting audience so I guess it works in a lot of ways um (laughs) but yeah thank y'all for tuning in um I look forward to launching my company to try and see how many skinny guys I can help and if you guys are interested in all three of these um in implementing all three of these um what is it factors principles of hypertrophy um you can definitely do that but I would suggest trying to find someone who does that already um, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to implement all these for you into a working plan that's designed specifically for muscle building. So that's kind of my goal. Um, and I hope eventually when I, when I get big, when this podcast gets big, <laughs> you can listen to this episode and be like, oh, that's where it started. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, this is Timothy Averill. Have a good day.